0: So uh, one of my favourite things that we do periodically at King's is welcome people into church membership and we uh, ask people to come up on stage and they introduce themselves and they, they, they tell us why they wanted to be a member of King's Church and something that we hear over and over again is that King's feels like a family. Not just family friendly, which I hope we are as well, but it feels like a family and So it should, because the New Testament uses that picture of church all the time. It calls Christians children of God, members of the household of God, and brothers and sisters in Christ committed to one another in love. Seven weeks ago, Jen and I welcomed our first child, Amelia, to the Rawson family. (laughs) Now, if you've been around me uh, at all for the past seven weeks, it's probably surprising you that it's taken me like 90 seconds to get a picture of Amelia into this preach. There's plenty more where that came from, I can tell you. Now, you know, we know that human families, when they work well, and they don't always work well, but when they work well, they can be wonderful. But you know, belonging to the family of God is even better than the very best human family. Our love for Amelia, strong as it is, is dwarfed by God's love for us. And it's also important to understand that the family of God looks different to the modern Western way of seeing family. Because I think our culture tells us uh, that family is a small and closed off kind of nuclear unit of people who are generally similar, I guess, Case in point, although Amelia is going to grow up to make her own choices and she'll be different from us in loads of ways, she will have grown up experiencing broadly our family culture, our shared family culture. She'll speak our language. She'll speak English. She has pale skin like we do. She even has ginger hair at the moment. (laughs) And as people keep telling me, she even has my forehead. (laughs) But, But here's the thing can take that one down now. <laughs> the, the family of God is not just full of people like us. Thank goodness. It is full of people of different ages and stages and ethnicities and languages and classes and backgrounds. And it can be messy. It can, uh, there can be misunderstandings. It can be challenging, but it's how God has designed it to be. As a family of God, we're not closed off. We're not inward-looking like a lot of Western families. We're outward-looking and we're welcoming. This is how we want to be as a church. And I believe it's, uh, it's something that God wants to remind us this morning. It's how he wants us to be as a church. It's how he wants you to be as an individual. So before we jump into our topic this morning, why don't we just why don't we pray for a second? Father, we thank you so much for inviting us into your eternal family with open arms just as we open your word this morning, would you would you speak to us, would you challenge us, would you encourage us, uh, would you change us? Help us to be a family that looks more and more like Jesus? Amen. So we're going to start today in Romans chapter twelve verses nine to thirteen. It'll appear on the screen or you can turn to it in your own Bibles. Romans twelve nine to thirteen. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honour one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervour, serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Paul's letter to the Romans is perhaps his most complete outline of the gospel. That is what Jesus has done for us and what that means for us. And uh, these verses come towards the end of the letter. They're describing what it looks like to follow Jesus in light of the gospel. Now, to be honest, if you were to write down uh, what you think of as the key parts of the Christian life, I'm sure lots of you would list some of the things that appear here, like love one another. We heard uh, Dan talking about love last week having zeal for God, being joyful and patient and being faithful in prayer. We all know that Christians should pray, right? But what about the last verse? Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Hospitality. As it turns out, God's really serious about hospitality. This is just one of three direct commands for Christians to practice hospitality in the New Testament. There's loads about it in the Old Testament as well. So that's what we're talking about today. And we're going to look at what, who, why, and how. What is biblical hospitality? Who should we extend it to? Why should we bother with it? And then how can we, as members of the family of God, show hospitality? So Let's start with what. What is biblical hospitality? Now, I don't know about you, but when I think of hospitality, it conjures up a pretty specific image in my head. It's basically an episode of Mary Berry's Christmas party. Has anyone seen that? It's the best. You should really watch it. Mary Berry basically just gets all her celebrity friends around and they spend hours and hours preparing amazing food, uh, basically in preparation for the dinner party to end all dinner parties. Of course, everyone is dressed up. The house is beautifully decorated, and what a house. The fire is roaring, and there's even like a jazz trio kind of playing chilled Christmas classics in the corner, just like everyone's Christmas party, right? Now, I'm not doing this kind of thing down, don't get me wrong. I know loads of you loads of you are brilliant chefs you're brilliant hosts and if you want to invite me to a mary berry esque christmas party next year then i'm there all right but biblical hospitality the type that we're talking about today is is so much bigger than throwing the perfect dinner party it's about inviting others into your life just as it is and using your resources however simple they might be to provide for those people and bless them I'll say that again, it's on the screen. It's inviting people into your life and using your resources to provide provide for them and bless them. Now, does this often involve inviting people into your home or sharing a meal with them? Definitely, and we will talk about that today. But let's get away from having a narrow view of hospitality. So it says in our passage, practice hospitality. Now, my parents both work as musicians, and growing up, they taught me how to practice a musical instrument. It wasn't occasional, and it wasn't haphazard. It wasn't a casual thing. Real practice was not just playing whenever I felt like it. It was daily, it was intentional, and it was focused work. To practice something, to really practice something, is to make it a priority, which then becomes part of your regular rhythms of life. There's no sense in playing a musical instrument for eight hours a day, eight hours in one day, and then just leaving it a couple of months before you pick up your instrument again. That's not what practice is. So I think regularity is something that we see in the Bible is key to hospitality. And if regularity is key to our hospitality, then so too is simplicity, Because if our only way of inviting people over and inviting people into our lives is to cook an elaborate fancy meal that's taken you all day to prepare, we're not going to do it very often. We can still definitely honour one another by inviting someone round for some beans on toast and then asking them to do the washing up with you at the end. It's really okay. It's more about making time for people. It's including them in the rhythms of your busy life. As we practice hospitality, we have to be real with people. It's not about putting on a show. It's about living authentic and transparent lives in full view of the people around us. Otherwise, we just set in motion the, the, the Instagram effect. You know what I'm talking about? It's kind of presenting the curated version of your life. And all that does is make people feel like they have to hide the parts of their life that they don't like and that they're ashamed of. It kills the power of hospitality. When you show a little bit of vulnerability, when you show your real life, your real self, it gives other people permission to follow suit. And that's what builds genuine friendship, builds genuine relationship and trust. So, let's move on to who. Who should the recipients of our hospitality be? Well, in the passage we started with, it says in verse 13, share with the Lord's people who are in need. Similarly, in Galatians 6, verse 10, it says, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong to the family of believers. We see this pattern among Christians in the early church. Acts 2, verses 44 to 47 says, all the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church didn't live in closed off little family units coming together on a Sunday to worship and then just dispersing for the rest of the week. They opened their homes to one another and they ate meals together We see people being commended for using their house to bless the church. In lots of the Apostle Paul's letters, there's one couple in particular, Priscilla and Aquila, who are mentioned a number of times for their hospitality. When they lived in a city called Corinth, the church met in their home there. And when they lived in Rome, they also opened their home so that the church could meet there. They obviously just lived lives that were characterized by this kind of hospitality to their brothers and sisters in the church. I like this quote from Max Lucado, author and church leader. He says, Long before the church had pulpits and baptistries, she had kitchens and dinner tables. They had the clearest of messages, the cross, and the simplest of tools, the home. Your home can be a powerful tool to build the church, to build this church, and to make disciples seven years ago, my life was changed by an act of hospitality. Um, I just graduated from university. It was kind of around the time of the economic downturn. I had a history, a history degree, so obviously I was unemployed. And uh, I kind of faced this this, this issue after graduation. I, I really wanted to stay in Edinburgh. I really wanted to remain part of of King's Church and being involved here. But it was looking like I was going to have to Move home with my parents and kind of look for jobs from there, but that 's when Luke and Deb Daviditis, if you don 't know luke he 's one of the other leaders here, offered for me to move in to their spare room now they 'd only just recently bought their house, and I think most people would probably be just looking to settle in and spend a bit of time together but But they invited me in they chose to invite me in, and I ended up living for them for a year now. I'll be honest, I was a bit of a mess that year. I had a lot going on and uh, I was probably a real pain to live with because the hospitality's hard sometimes. But Luke and Deb were just incredibly patient and kind. They welcomed me in, they listened to me, they encouraged me and they challenged me. And that year, honestly, that year changed my life. And just grew so much in God during that time. Partly because I think I was was seeing his unconditional love for me in new ways as Luke and Deb opened their home to me. The other powerful thing for me was as a young guy coming out of university, I was getting to see up close and personal how they lived, how they interacted with one another, how they worshipped and how they prayed. And that had a huge impact on me. Opening your home to someone is opening your life to them, and that can be challenging, but it can be really powerful too. So maybe, maybe you own your own house, or maybe you just rent a room in a shared flat, or uh, you're in university halls. I want to ask, how can you use the space that you live in to bless other people in the church? I like think we need to be creative with this. It might be that you can't really invite people into your house for whatever reason, but you can still invite people into the spaces in which you live your life. It might be a coffee shop or it might be the park or it might be just going around the supermarket together. It's so much more about the relationship that we forge with people than it is about kind of the, where we do that. But if you do, if you can invite people into your home, do it, it's powerful. I just want to say this is something that this church is really great at. Um Jen and I have just been so blessed over so many years by so many of you just showing this kind of hospitality to us and uh yeah it's it's an amazing thing. It's um it's something that I think let's keep pushing into, let's, let's, let's keep expecting God for more. Let's not just kind of rest on our laurels with this. Let's, let's keep going as we grow as a church. It's gonna get harder to, to sort of do this in some ways, but it's all the more important that we keep reaching out to people and we keep inviting them in. We want every person who comes here to be welcomed into the church community, right? Yeah. We really don't want uh, cliques to develop, divisions to occur. I think part of this, the beauty of the family of God that I was talking about at the beginning is that we get to share our lives with people who aren't like us. So if you're a family, maybe you could invite a student over for a meal. If you're single, could you invite a married couple round? If you've got kids, could you invite a single person into your family life now and again? could you reach out to somebody from a different nation? Or maybe you just want to just make a point of going for coffee with somebody who's just arrived at King's or is new to the city and doesn't know anyone. We can't, uh, we can't know everyone in this church the same way as we did when it was 50 people a few years ago. But, but do make a point of developing relationships with people outside of your normal social circle, your normal kind of group of friends. So that brings me on to uh, hospitality outside of the church. And this, this is such an important point because the word that we read as hospitality in the New Testament is translated from the Greek word philoxenia, which literally means love of the stranger. So while it's important that we provide for one another in the family of God, when the Bible talks about hospitality, it is primarily talking about reaching to those people outside of our family, unbelievers and people on the margins. Again and again in the Old Testament, God commands his people to do this. Leviticus nineteen thirty-three to 34 says, when a foreigner resides among you in your land, do not mistreat them. The foreigner residing among you must be treated as your native born. Love them as yourself for you were foreigners in Egypt i am the lord your god it's about opening your life and your home to people who believe differently than you and who aren't yet in our family of god we we can't live in a christian bubble you know we're not of this world but we have been sent into the world and that world really badly needs the love of god doesn't it and hospitality is a tool that I think God has given us to show some of that love to the world. Through things like social media, we just live in this kind of know everyone and know no one kind of world now. It's, I think people are desperate to be known, but the genuine community and the deep relationships that people crave, I think are becoming rarer and rarer. According to a twenty sixteen study by the British Red Cross, nine million people in Britain, that's almost one-fifth of the population, reported feeling always lonely or often lonely. And the situation's even worse in our city. Edinburgh was recently ranked as the loneliest place in the UK. The picture's dire, but we have the answer. Because God promised to put the lonely in families and he wants to do that with you. You're invited to do that work with Jesus. God has deliberately placed you among neighbors and colleagues, course mates, people who don't yet know the joy and the security of being a child of God. So just take a second to think about where he has you living your house or your flat is is so much more than just shelter it's a gospel outpost in our city and placed in the hands of god it can be used to welcome in the lonely to love the unloved to heal the broken and by god's grace to save the lost i think it's an increasingly powerful thing in our culture to show someone with different views to you or a different lifestyle to you that they, they are welcome in your life and they're welcome in your home. We can show love and acceptance to people without approving of everything they do. If that weren't the case, then no parent ever loved their child, right? Parents are laughing. <laughs> Our society these days finds that really hard to get their head around. So we have to show them that it's true We have to be the ones to reach across the boundaries and show the love of God. And I believe that as we do that, God's gonna do amazing things. You might be the only person in your neighbor's life or your colleague's life who knows Jesus. I think increasingly that's gonna be the case in the UK. God's put you there deliberately so that you can show his love to them. So let's look at why uh, if hospitality is opening our lives, it's opening our homes and maybe our fridges to others inside and outside of the church. But, but why? We have busy lives, we have busy jobs and busy family lives of our own. So why should we bother to practice hospitality? I know we've touched on some reasons already just there, but I think the, basic, the most basic and the best answer is that we are hospitable to others because God is hospitable to us. Hospitality is just central to who he is. It's why we're here worshiping him today. It's why we've been celebrating all morning. We are not like God. We might be made in his image, but that image has been distorted and and, and corrupted by sin. He's perfect and we're not. So he's on the inside, we're on the outside. And no amount of self-effort or just doing good can make us good enough to enter Every page of the Old Testament just cries out that human beings are not like God. But he welcomes us in. We were the strangers who God loved. Here's how Paul describes it in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, You were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Consequently, you who are, consequently you who are, oops, sorry, I've written that down wrong. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Jesus' death on the cross was the ultimate act of hospitality, The temple in Jerusalem was the house of God and God dwelt in the inner sanctuary of the temple. He was on the inside and the rest of humankind were on the outside. Nobody else could enter apart from the high priest once a year. And there was this thick curtain that separated the people from God's presence. But at the moment Jesus died on the cross, that curtain was torn from top to bottom. It was as if Jesus had flung open the door to his house and invited all of mankind in. He invites us in to know him and be known by him. Now, if you've heard me talking about being in God's family this morning and you're, you just know that you're not, then this is, this is the invitation for you. Come on in. Stop living on the outside You can turn away from your sin and be confident that Jesus has dealt with everything that kept you separated from God. And honestly, there is no better invitation that we can receive than that. And if you're already a Christian, then you know the free gift of grace, the hospitality that's been shown to you by God. Matthew 10, verse 8 says, Freely you've received, now freely give. And when we extend the hospitality that we ourselves have received, We experience afresh God's goodness and his mercy. And that is how we were designed to live, not just as recipients of this amazing love, but as conduits so that it might flow through us to others. Jesus' ministry was characterized by hospitality. He just loved eating with people. And as he did, so he did so much more than just share food. He shared himself with them. So often we see Jesus using a meal uh, to bring somebody some provision or transformation or restoration. His very first miracle, turning the water into wine at the wedding in Cana, was a miracle of hospitality. Of course, he famously fed the 4,000 and he fed the 5,000. And in Luke chapter 19, he used a meal to transform a corrupt tax collector called Zacchaeus. So Jesus is walking down the streets in Jericho and the crowds are pressing in and he sees Zacchaeus up in the trees, climbed the tree because he can't see over the crowds and he's trying to get a better view and unexpectedly, Jesus turns to this, this man Zacchaeus who is a terrible person and he says, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So it says Zacchaeus came down at once and welcomed him gladly. And they go into the house. And we're not given details about what the conversation over dinner was like. But the upshot is that Zacchaeus is transformed. He gives half of his possessions to the poor. And he repays four times over the amount of money that he's cheated the people out of. You see, when Jesus is involved, there's power in spending time with someone and sharing a meal with them. I love the story in John chapter 21. Uh, It's after Jesus' resurrection and he appears to some of his disciples on the shores of Lake Galilee. But for Simon Peter, this is the first time that he's really had to face Jesus since he denied him three times and abandoned him the night before the crucifixion. He'd failed massively. He must have just been full of shame at his own sin, full of guilt, And I just love the way that Jesus deals with them in this moment. He says, come and have breakfast. And he cooks him a meal and he invites him to sit with him and eat with him. And of course, he he goes on to talk with Peter and he restores him. I just love the way that Jesus invited Peter back into fellowship with him with just an invitation to breakfast. So, How might we practice biblical hospitality? I think the first thing to say is that this is going to look different for all of us. We all go through different seasons of life and uh, that's going to mean that our capacity to offer hospitality is going to change. That's why we need to be a family together who's good at giving and receiving hospitality. And Christians can be proud. We can often quite like sharing our resources with people, but we can often find it quite difficult to share our need with them. And in Britain particularly, I think we are naturally pretty bad at accepting hospitality. We get all awkward and weird. I think it's this is a crucial thing for the family of God to function properly as it's meant to. You might be, I don't know, at the sharp end of your PhD. Uh, you might be caring for an elderly relative. You might be looking after young kids You might even go through a season where you're unable to leave the house. The job of your brothers and sisters around you is to figure out how to enter your world and be a genuine support to you. And your job is to accept that help and not close yourself off. Jen and I have, uh, have been in kind of one of those seasons lately looking after our newborn baby and we've just felt so supported by you guys. We had so many meals dropped off our house in the first few weeks after Amelia was born that we just didn't, we just didn't have to cook for ourselves for weeks, which it, it was amazing. It was such a huge help. And it's evidence that this is a hospitable church. I just want to say a massive thank you um, if you were part of that. And I want to assure you that this kind of hospitality really matters. It really, it really made a huge difference. So who do you need right now? Who do you know, rather, right now that needs that kind of support? And could you be the answer to their need? Next, um, it's an obvious one, but I'm going to say it anyway. Let's make sure we bring Jesus into our conversations This is part, as I said at the beginning, that we need to be real with people. This is part of being yourself and being open with your neighbor as you offer hospitality. Don't be afraid of talking about church or your relationship with God and what he's been speaking to you about recently or times that he's helped you through difficult circumstances or times that you've been supported by your brothers and sisters in the church. really models something of you having a living relationship with God and that will speak volumes to unbelievers. Just to say as well, in terms of building genuine friendships with people outside of the church, my observation is that most of us as Christians fall into one of two camps. Now, I know that these are generalizations, but I imagine that you'll be able to identify with, uh, with one of these positions. Either... We put all our focus on making great friendships and investing in those relationships. And then we struggle to bring Jesus into the conversation for fear of offending or things getting awkward. Or on the other side of things, we fall into the trap of kind of being one of those people who believes that a conversation with an unbeliever where we don't get to fully explain the gospel to them is a wasted conversation. And the danger, of course, there is that we start to view friendships as projects rather than opportunities to show God's love. We cannot live on those two extremes. It's really important to be people who are committed to our friendships and who build genuine relationships over many years because our words, especially in this day and age, our words can often only be as strong as those relationships That we also need to be people who are bold, bold in sharing the hope that we have in Jesus. So it's about sharing God's love, showing his love for people in in our deeds and in our words. Finally, hospitality is something that we've got to do together as the family of God. You know, at different, I said people have different seasons of life. At different times, some of us will take the leads. It'll be easier for some of us than it will for others. Other times, you know, we might have a supporting role. But following Jesus is never an individual quest. It's something that we do together. That's why we're in a family together. And we can encourage each other in hospitality. We can do it together. We can club together and get people around to our houses. We can help with cooking and cleaning up and just hanging out with people together. So, yeah, we've got to do it as the family of God. Now, there are so many different ways that you could choose to apply this practically. Um, I, just a few ideas I've scribbled down for you. Maybe you want to invite um, some of your neighbours or colleagues around for a meal or a cup of coffee. You could even invite a friend to church. Or Maybe you'd like to use your home to bless the church. You could offer to host a small group. That's such a huge support to small group leaders in this church when members of their group say, hey, use, use my house this week. Um, you could invite a few people round from church who you would not normally get to mix with. And I mentioned that a little bit earlier on. I think one thing you can focus on is coming to church on a Sunday just eager to welcome newcomers. I think welcoming people into this community is, just, is such a great form of hospitality. And if you wanted to make that a priority, you could even join one of our Connect teams that serve every few weeks. They're always looking out for new volunteers where you get to just focus on that. You come to church and you're just focusing on looking out for who is the outsider, who's, who's new here, who, who needs chatting to, who needs, who needs bringing in, who needs, who needs a friend. You might want to just get together with some friends and invite people back to your place for lunch after a Sunday meeting or during the week. And here at King's, we run a number of initiatives that look to show hospitality to uh, different kind of groups in our community. We've got the Evergreen Cafe, uh, which is a gathering for older members of the community. It meets here once a month on a Saturday afternoon. And um, I mentioned the loneliness epidemic in our country a little bit earlier on. I read a stat this week that half a million older people in the UK go at least five or six days a week without seeing or speaking to anyone at all is just heartbreaking. But this is one small way that you could help to combat that. And um, If you want to get involved, you could get in touch with Maria Sigston. I'm sure she'd love to help you on the team. Um, another thing we do is King's Tots, which provides a space for parents and toddlers to gather together every week in our building just to hang out and uh, chat and play. Young parents are another particularly vulnerable uh, group in our in our society when it comes to loneliness. So this is a great way to bless them. Uh, if you have a spare room or some spare time we partner with a great charity called safe families for children that links people like you up with isolated people in our family going through a rough time and there's loads of different ways to help through safe families but hosting kids for a night or two or just befriending a parent just being a friend and uh, going for a cup of coffee can just be so valuable If you like to cook, you could join our church lunches team. We're not cooking lunch today. We're having a bring and share picnic. But uh, every month, we we have a big lunch together. And um, there's people that cook for that. And it's a great form of hospitality. So you could join that team. Or um, in the autumn, we run the Alpha course. um, And that's for people who who are exploring faith. And part of that Evening is that um, we make a meal for them and we invite people into our building to chat about the big questions of life and we give them a meal. So maybe you could volunteer for cooking for Alpha. I'm sure Um, the people organizing, Ali and Lydia would just love to to get you involved with that. It's about paying attention, isn't it? It's about looking out for the outsiders around you. Those are just a few practical suggestions. In the small group notes this week, I can put just a few lists of suggestions, that list of suggestions. that you can see and the people to contact if you're interested in in getting involved. But why don't you think about one way over the next couple of weeks, one practical, simple way that you could step out more in hospitality. But it's it's not just practical. We can't do the practical unless we have God's heart for this. And so I think we just need to ask him for more of his heart now. I think, um, you know, his... Heart. He has such a special heart for the outsiders. As human beings, we like to be in the the in crowd. And that tends to make us gravitate towards people who are like us. But God's heart is for the outsider. It's the one on the margins. It's the the people outside of that. And I think he wants to fill us with that spirit of hospitality this morning. So and we're gonna respond to God. We're gonna ask him to just fill us with a spirit afresh this morning. And this, this might involve him straightening out a few things inside of us. I, I know, in my own heart, it's just, there's just things that keep us back from having this hospitable outlook. We think that if we look inward, then we will, then things will be better. That's it's just not true. It's just not true. We experience more of God's joy, more of His freedom as we as we look out. I think that there's a bit of a stronghold in our society as well about the the family and what family is for. I think uh, we just get bombarded with the message that your family is for your fulfillment and it's kind of this closed off little unit. If, if you're blessed with a family here today. If you, if you live with your family at the moment, I just want to say that God has a great plan for your family and it is a huge blessing and we want to thank him for that. But it's, it's designed to be a place that people can be welcomed into. It's designed to be a place of, of looking out. It's designed to bless those around us. It's not just meant to be this, this closed off little thing. So why don't we pray? Father, we we just need your heart for people. We desperately need your heart for people this morning. Thank you for your love for us. Thank you that you didn't leave us on the outside. You brought us in. You welcomed us in. You threw the door open and you said, come on in. And we wanna be people that reflect that. We wanna be people like that. We wanna be your hands and feet in this city. We want to be... Used by you, we wanna we wanna reach those around us with the love of God. Father, would you would you break down the strongholds in our heart about our own schedules and our own comfort and our own budgets and our own the things that we just see as ours? And would you would you turn it around so that you just release us to use those things? Use our time and our homes and our food and our money to to reach out to other people to invite them in help us to be real with people as we do that help us to live authentic lives help us to not live with this Instagram filter over everything all the time Father would you would you change us and make us more like you that's that's the simplicity of what we're asking for this morning. We don't want to we don't want to leave here without being changed by you, without having just our hearts enlarged, without just being more able to 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 reach out to people all around us. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God.